0: Hello. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, You're listening to me, Dan Burgess, and the Spaceship Earth podcast. And uh, this is a little experimental um, episode, and there's going to be a few of them. So I'm now in week four of the pandemic lockdown, um, down in Bath, where I live with my family and... um, Yes. What a what a what a mad few weeks. It feels like everything has stopped and yet so much has happened. Um anyway, I got an email about a week ago um from a, a very marvelous man called Charlie Gladstone who I'm sure some of you will know of. Um does lots of brilliant things in the world. Um one of them being the Good Life Experience Festival. And uh, another one being a great podcast called The Mavericks. And um, I got an email from Charlie about a week ago uh, asking if I would send in some um, some answers to three questions that he had was posing to different people um, in order to make a remote podcast. And I did that. And Charlie's been releasing these episodes and I really recommend listening to them. Um, He's called them love in the time of coronavirus. Um, And they're just really lovely, um, honest, human reflections on what is going on for people right now. Um, And uh, I've enjoyed listening to them so much that i decided to... uh, take Charlie's idea and um put it out there into a, some other networks and 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 create my own version of that and see what might happen just seemed like a really lovely thing so um thanks Charlie for that I'm hoping Charlie is going to um uh, contribute something to this version of it as well but anyway he he asked three simple questions i've I've um adapted and remixed slightly and have five questions um And I wasn't really sure what would happen. I just put them out. I've put them out to um, a bunch of different people, friends and people that I admire and people that I think that have just, yeah, I was curious about their take on what is happening. So I sent them some questions and uh, I sent them five questions. And those five questions were, where are you and who are you with? Um... What are you struggling with the most right now? What is bringing you joy in these times? Something you might have started doing or have always done. What do you hope will emerge from these extraordinary times? And then finally, the question was, when you think of getting back to normal... What bits of normal do you hope will never return? And those were the questions. And I also um, offered up a chance to share something. Um, anything at all. So, I've been getting uh, um, things sent back. Um, and I'm going to start putting them out on these little mini episodes Charlie called them slow pods or something like that and um, again I wasn't quite sure what was going to come back in and how to edit them in and all that kind of stuff Um, so but they are really beautiful offerings from people so I'm just going to patch them together three or four an episode and try and chuck them out over the next few days Um, there's just lovely stuff in all of them Um, and um, I'm really grateful people have um, taken a little bit of time to send them in so um, here we are episode one reflections from the great pause I hope you enjoy them so first up it's uh, George McCallum now George is a filmmaker producer director editor amazing cameraman I've known for several years a lot of George's work explores social and environmental issues and stories which show the potential of people to make change in the world. Um, and has often, uh, at times, been following me around with the camera. Um, George is a very insightful, beautiful human, and I was really curious to know what was going on, is going on for George at this time. Um, But check out George, georgemccallum.com. You'll find out more about him and the films he's made and what he's up to. But um, let's hear from George.
1: Dan, you won't believe this, but I've just done, I'd say about 20 minutes of talking, answering your questions, and I realised I wasn't recording anything. Um, I hope that's making you laugh because you know that's just like the worst thing to do when you're recording any interview finally I get to record myself for a good cause and I didn't record any of it had some good stuff that I was saying there as well yeah take a little swig of beer mmm Not bad, Dan. I'm in a a one-bed flat in Walthamstow, East London, with my girlfriend. It's just us two, no kids. Um, We're lucky that we are on the ground floor and we have a little outdoor space which gets the afternoon sun. Um, And yeah, we we see our neighbours and we keep social distancing from them. But uh, generally, I I feel like we're we're quite lucky having our. Our little space, particularly the outdoor bit. What are you struggling with uh, the most during these times? To be honest I'm not really struggling with anything. Um, I worry uh, about um, my mum who's living on her own in a flat without any outdoor space and she's uh, of a certain age and she has some certain conditions as well that I'm sure coronavirus might uh what you know worries me um not really a struggle though I uh I okay I I struggle with trying to get my head around um the data that we're given about coronavirus and it's spread I struggle with deciphering how useful a lot of this data is and um, and I struggle with the gross amount of uh, of fear that I think a lot of this data um, gives to a lot of people. I have discovered what I would call having more quality in doing less Um I've always been an advocate for doing less, and and how it can actually be quality time. So, I've I'm enjoying uh, doing uh, things a bit more slowly. Um, cooking, I'm doing slowly, and that's been uh, paying off, which has been nice. Um, and just not putting any pressure on myself to achieve anything. I mean, I I do obviously with uh you know things that I'd like to finish off a bit of writing whether or not I should be doing some of my own video projects uh you know sometimes I think I could be doing a lot more but then I realize I kind of recognize that that's just a feeling that I have anyway um and I'm I'm noticing these feelings a bit more that I have more quality time in not doing anything not worrying about what plans I should be doing or having whether you know missing out on on something like everyone's missing out or, or everyone is gaining uh quality time um with their family uh or with themselves i've i've discovered uh that there's a lot of quality in in not doing much and that's time well spent and as a result the days are actually going really fast and I don't know if that's something to worry about or to enjoy. But I do about 10% of what I normally do. And um, and the day goes about 10 times quicker. I'm not sure why. Um, what are you hoping could emerge from these extraordinary times? I... I really like the idea of nature telling us to go to your room and essentially to self-inquire. I feel like that this is a good time for everyone, um, even if you're a political leader or a uh, CEO for massive corporations. Whoever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever agenda you have, we're all in it, we're all doing the same thing right now, we're all in it we're all equal in our vulnerability to this and in our understanding of it and, and in how we have to behave now as a result of it to stop the spread and, and I think there's, there's something very beautiful about people en masse around the world you know, millions and millions of people everywhere um, potentially self-inquiring right now the uh, the potential that could come out of this collectively of people feeling more in tune with themselves um, more in tune with what they love with what makes them excited and hopefully what might emerge is that we all have more of a, of an impetus and if that can happen on every level in our society business leaders, political figures as well then that that's exciting. I hope that we don't just start rushing around again. I hope that we don't go straight back into the rat race and straight back into this list of ongoing achievements that we feel like we need to make and if we don't we'll suffer. I really hope that we're able to take some of what we've learnt during this mass self-inquiry session um, and listen to the things that we now have a bit more clarity on within ourselves and, and how we look at our society and our connection to each other and our community and to our health and um, just our connection to everything. I hope that we don't forget too quickly the lessons that we've learned during this time of self-reflection. Maybe we'll take our time a bit more and use our time in a more quality way. And that's it, really. Uh Don't worry about time. So much. You idiots. I'm not very good at this. Um, However, I hope, I hope you have enjoyed listening. I uh, would love to see you. Um, And yeah, let me know if you end up using any of this. And I'll tune in. Alright buddy, lots of love, send my love to all your family, and uh, nothing but love brother.
0: One thing I've been playing with and doing in the last few weeks is um, DJing online, and um, yeah, Having a couple of sort of virtual free parties on the internet, and uh, I used to DJ uh, sort of semi-professionally many years ago, um, and I've still kept up my interest in house music, um, and discovered this this brilliant little streaming app called Mixler, which basically you can you can rig it up to your setup, wherever you're DJing from, um, and it creates a stream that people can click on and listen to, a live stream. Um, and it's brilliant. And we've done two two sessions, um, two Friday night sessions over the last four weeks. Uh, we've also thrown in like a Zoom room party for those that want to kind of watch each other dance in their front rooms, which has been quite fun as well. But the stream's been... Yes, I mean, blowing me away, actually, the quality, the Mixler stream, you know, usually back in the day, you tried streaming audio on the internet and the compression would be, it would just sound a bit naff. But the quality of the stream on this, this Mixler app is just superb. Um, it's like chunky. Um, so, yeah, so that's been, that's been something that I've started doing, um, which has been a lot of fun. Um so yeah, if you want to check out also you can also it records your mixes and you can you can chuck them up the archives as well. So mixler.com forward slash dan solo you can find that and we might I might well do a stream this Friday. Um so if you follow me, you it will notify you when I'm uh, live on the internet. Anyway, moving on to my next uh contributor which is the fantastic Lauren Curry. Lauren is someone I've followed uh for some for many years actually. Um super interested in Lauren's journeying. Um she does a lot of things in the world. Um she's a designer uh, by by craft She's been at the forefront of the emergence of the service design discipline and how that has developed over the last decade or so. She's now the CEO of a new startup called Stride, which is seeking to kind of democratize leadership development via a digital product. She's the founder of the Upfront Movement, which is on a mission to change confidence in people, which is worth checking out. She's a trustee, ...of the Design Council and the platform Pregnant Then Screwed. And in 2017, she was awarded an OBE for her services to design and diversity. Lauren is someone I always listen to um, when I can... ...because usually what she's got to say um, uh, is insightful, um, spot on. And there's often some uncomfortable truths in what Lauren... um, puts out into the world. She's someone that is um courageous. She's not afraid to talk about the things which many of us uh want to, I think, engage with but somehow I think struggle to sometimes bring them out into the open. So, um yeah, she is a really important voice um in the world. So, um here's Lauren.
2: Hi Dan, it's Lauren. <clears throat> Okay, where are you and who are you with? So I am in my studio in my house. We live in between London and Brighton. I'm on my own, my partner and my son, who's two. They are in the living room watching tractors, I believe, on TV. What are you struggling with the most during this time? For me, having no childcare is really hard. So my son can no longer go to nursery. And obviously his child minder no longer uh, takes him. So my partner has returned to being a full-time carer, which means he's revisiting the exhaustion levels that we thought we'd left behind us in newborn baby days. And that's really hard for all of us. For me being the sole earner in my household is hard uh, because I started my new job two months ago which is uh, a startup. We're building a digital product to change leadership development which is really exciting but of course only two months in my main job was all around raising money, raising capital for the company. Uh, which is a hard thing in normal circumstances and now has just become a hundred times harder. Uh, we were in the process of moving to Sweden, uh, so that's all been put on hold, which is just really annoying and frustrating. But, you know, all of these things are surmountable. I'm very lucky. You know, we, we have a nice house. We have green space nearby we're all healthy, we have financial security, you know. so all of these things feel okay. What feels really hard and insurmountable is, you know, the number of children that are going hungry, the number of people that are struggling, the number of women who are being abused, the number of people who are dying. And mostly, for me, like our government's, shameful response to all of this is the thing that I've struggled with the most have you started doing all of a sudden something that's bringing you joy in these times I'm a designer I'm a maker so when things are hard making and creating makes me feel better so I've been writing a lot Uh, I've wrote about Uh, I've wrote advice for organisations on how best to support working parents right now. I've been speaking, so I've hosting webinars around leadership. The last one was around how to lead when you can't be in the same room as your team. Uh, I talk to my family in Scotland every day. My wee boy asks my wee brother to play him songs on the piano, and they watch sand timers together through the screen. It's really lovely. I FaceTime my friends every morning. I've started exercising. This is a new thing. Uh, And it feels really good. We've also been going on family bike rides, which is also a new thing and, and has been really lovely. What are you hoping will emerge from these extraordinary times? I hope that we'll collectively slow down because I think that that could be the catalyst for our populations that we've never had before like something that forces us to stop like really stop for a long time and for each of us to sit with the discomfort that that stopping brings with it and i really believe that what would come out of that stopping would be positive progressive change even though the process itself would be painful what bits of getting back to normal do you hope will not return oh i've got such a long list uh where to start so i hope we stop eating meat you know like swine flu bird flu chickenpox SARS COVID-19 spread from animals to humans by humans eating animals. So this is yet another reason why every single one of us should be vegan. I hope we stop voting for politicians that cause harm. I hope people start to vote in bigger numbers. I hope more people campaign. I hope more people start demanding the change that they want in their life, in their workplace, in their street, in their community, in their house. I hope this starts a fire in people, you know, a fire that will push them to to be uncomfortable and speak out and stand up and, and demand the changes that they want to have. Although I do worry thinking about that stuff because you know, just in my lifetime, we've lived through, you know, 9-11, the Australian fires, the Dunblane shooting in Scotland, Greta Thunberg's global movement around the climate crisis. And, you know, in the main, we've still largely remained attached to the status quo. And that's what makes me really nervous. Like Human beings are really, really good at remaining in the status quo. And I hope that this crisis is the one that bucks that trend. But then I get scared to think what that crisis would need to be for the trend to change. Um, I hope we realise that You know, the way that we do everything, like the way we buy houses, the way we rent houses, the way we live, the way we look after our children, the way we work, the way we learn, the way we play, the way we eat, the way we spend money, the way we save money, the way we love each other. All of these things is entirely up for debate and up for question. It's all made up. And I hope that people really start to notice that and and connect with what that means you know that we can do things differently and we can break away from the status quo and i think that this system sorry this pandemic has revealed a system that doesn't work the way that we do most of those things i've just described is broken because they only work for the elite few they don't work for everybody and that's what needs to change. My partner and my son are now uh, blasting Taylor Swift from the next room. <laughs> I hope it's not too loud. Uh, and then there's yeah a piece of text that I'd like to share. <clears throat> so this, these words are by Holly Whittaker. She's the author of a book called Quit Like a Woman. And Holly says... It's not the pandemic that is breaking us, it's the system revealing itself. A system that reduces the value of caregiving, that operates off the backs of the most vulnerable, that keeps us all focused on our own survival instead of each other's, separate instead of whole. I keep scrolling through Instagram and I see humour and meditations and book lists and community gatherings, organising and pooling of resources to redistribute so many beautiful offerings of hope and courage and a new sensitivity to the severe precariousness of our existence of others' existence I also see a lot of stupid shit but I am paying attention to the way that we come together this is a new normal it will not go back to the way it was and that is a statement of hope I hope we use this as a time to understand the absolute value of caregiving. That gig economy, service industry workers and all labourers need health insurance, they need paid leave, they need fundamental protections. Our entire people need health insurance, kids need food and not just when they go to school. Productivity is a lie. People need people. Flexible work arrangements and caregiving responsibilities are intrinsically tied. We have enough if we share, we are resilient, we are good. We are good, we are good, we are not separate, but we are a glow of red dots bleeding into a sea of red, connected on the most fundamental level. And this last quote is from Dr. Aisha Hamid, who's an international security professor at the University of Toronto. Dr. Aisha says, be slow, let this distract you, let it change how you think and how you see the world, because the world is our work. And so may this tragedy tear down all of our faulty assumptions and give us the courage of bold, new ideas. There we go. Thank you, Dan. Lots of love. Bye.
0: I hope you're enjoying this uh, this little experiment. I'm going to be we're going to be um, I'm going to be putting these out probably every other day. By the time I've managed to get them in and cut them up and edit them and all that kind of jazz, um, the Spaceship Earth podcast. It's like over it's over two years old now, and um, you know I'm loving doing it. I have a few go to podcasts that for me have been you know that's where I get so much inspiration from um rich roll would be one of them um another one would be matt Barr and his uh, looking sideways podcast now i don't know if you know matt's podcast um it's an i guess an action sports podcast um and in the clue is in the title looking sideways it tends to be the people that stand on boards um snowboards surfboards um skateboards predominantly um but um yeah i've followed matt's podcast for a long long time and i love what he does i love the people that he brings on and has conversations with i love the spirit of his inquiry he's always um he's always exploring um i guess uh things from a much more kind of human scale element really exploring um yeah people's very human stories around why they do what they do and what they learn through the journey that they go on and uh he also does another one um called type two with uh, patagonia europe um which again if you're sort of interested in sort of where um outdoor sports meets activism um that's worth well worth a listen to um, but yeah matt, matt's definitely been a big inspiration for my own podcast very inspired by the way he goes about his work and i've learned a lot from listening to him so next up it's matt bar from looking sideways
3: Alright Dan, how are you doing? Thanks for the message. Not too sure what kind of format you wanted this in, so I thought I'd turn the mic on, start chatting, see where we got to. So um, you've sent over a few questions to answer. Let's have a look at them. Question one, where are you right now and who are you with? So I am in Brighton right now, or Port Slade to be precise, with my wife Alima and our dog Peg. We have been social distancing for uh, I think it's three weeks tomorrow because I sort of came down with some symptoms that were quite vague to be honest but you know close enough to sort of feel like I should take the self-isolation thing seriously so we've not really seen anyone for about three weeks apart from you know shop staff, neighbours, And friends from a distance, I've seen my parents a little bit because I dropped off some food. They live in Worthing and they're, you know, late 60s. So kind of thought, well, they're under orders to stay in basically until this has passed. But we're doing all right. Um, We've got a good routine right about now. So, you know, can't complain really. I think compared to many people feeling quite fortunate, really. I guess you're asking this in a minute. So question two, what are you struggling with most during these times? Guess the main thing is just being worried about the health of friends and family. Really, like I said, you know, my parents are late sixties, so kinda told them they needed to stay in and keep out the way. Got some friends like my wife's got asthma, I'm very very concerned about that. One of the reasons we've been self isolating for the three weeks that we have, just to really minimise that risk of her getting the disease really. As I mentioned, I think I had it for I had I had very strange symptoms after a trip to France um the most telltale one being the loss of sense of smell and taste which I've not had now for for the three weeks that I mentioned and showing no signs of coming back which is obviously a bit unnerving but again as it goes not something to be too concerned about question three what have you started doing discovered always done that is bringing you joy in these times I guess it's routine really Personally, I'm somebody who operates way better on a routine, I've realized as I get older. And, you know, the old best version of yourself, kind of getting enough sleep, getting up at the right time, doing the exercise that you want to do, doing the work that you want to do, which is appears to be, for some unknown reason, quite important for my sense of self-esteem. So I've been enjoying that. I've been finally you know, getting the chance to spend some time doing the things I've been putting off for a long time. Simple stuff like I've been doing yoga every day, which is on the to-do list every year. Usually start in January, get about 10 days in and then kind of go down to like one or two days a week. So I've managed to keep that up. Been going running, been cooking nice meals every day. I think it's probably quite similar, you know, finding solace in those small acts of routine that bring some normality to the day. And also ticking off some of those work things that I've been putting off I run the Looking Sideways podcast and you know I've had things on that list that I've wanted to do for years and I've never really had time so I'm getting getting through those now which is which is good I think if I can get through this period with a lot of those you know deeper rooted things finished then that would be that would be great I think you know the other thing that I'm personally finding is and I was speaking to a friend about this earlier. You don't need a lot to be happy, dear. Really, you know. At the minute, it's all boiled down to the health of friends and family. Just turning those notifications off, and uh, you know, being fortunate enough to have a still have a job, and having enough food on the table, and and yeah, you know, that's that's suddenly about the sum of my ambitions, which is which is quite a nice thing. It almost feels, you know. Blithe to say, but it is true in my case. Question four What are you hoping could emerge in these extraordinary times? I guess I am hoping that the positive things of this situation um, endure. So I think community is something that everybody appears to have noticed. It's by no means an insightful comment to say that. I've certainly noticed it, you know, speaking to the neighbours more. Got a couple of elderly neighbours that we've offered to help and get food for. That's obviously brought brought us closer to them and you know you can feel the sense of community across the country I think really which is a bit of an unusual thing for the UK because I mean <laughs> full disclosure I am very left-wing and liberal you know I personally feel like the country's gone down a very strange path in the last decade well not strange just, just a path I don't really agree with and I think this situation has shown how much of that was driven by politics and ideology for personal and political gain, really. You know, because as soon as, the, as it's come down to it, all of those orthodoxies that seem to drive things like Brexit have been, well, not even things like Brexit, the orthodoxies that have driven, you know, the liberal right consensus have been pretty quickly jettisoned when push comes to shove, I mean, you know, we've moved a long way in two weeks from there's no such thing as society. And the layers of irony, the numbers of chickens that have come home to roost politically in this country, again, in an incredibly short space of time is is actually incredible. You know, it's the famous, I think it's Macmillan quote about politics, events, dear boy, events. You know, you've gone from Johnson winning the majority in December and seemingly having a clear path to you know enact the mandate that they w- that was given to them by the british people by brexit and the last election to within 3 months the conservative party telling banks to dip into shareholder funds to prop themselves up and underwriting of worker wages in the biggest public money giveaway in the history of this country. I mean, no one saw that coming. And, you know, to bring it back to the point, it clearly shows how much of the dialogue of the last decade has just been a party political narrative that no one, when it comes down to it, actually believed. Because, you know, if you look at Michael Gove, this country's had enough of experts. There he is on the TV flanked by his experts boris johnson you know all those all these people have spent a decade not giving the nhs enough funding suddenly their only slogan is protect our nhs so i really hope that those things are the things that endure because for me they're the things that make the country um that we live in the uk that's all i can talk about really you know i think that's that's what makes this a good place to live really that that social liberalism that is our for me our traditional history and that has been subverted in in the last decade so we shall see about that I guess won't we question five what bits of getting back to normal do you hope will not return well like I just said really the the stuff that had been promoted by the political landscape in the UK I hope doesn't return You know, it's going to be pretty hard to put that genie back in the bottle now that they've spent all that public money on the things that they've spent a decade time as we couldn't afford. Um, But I think more generally, if you look at the great upheavals of the past and, you know, this is obviously, and again, this is not an original observation. This is obviously up there with like the Great Depression, the Second World War, the First World War is that seismic for our society. It's a once in a century event, this. You know, those upheavals have led to the great social reform projects that when you look back now are the pride of our nation and you probably aren't spoken about too much in the States, but are probably, you know, the the most spectacular public achievements in the States. You know, the NHS, the Second World War was was a result of the Second World War and it was seemingly the result of like well if we can put all this national resource into a war why can't we put all this national resource into something that's actually going to benefit the public in peace the national health service which you know 80 years later is still the defining achievement of our country really in the post war years or you look at the post great depression federal projects in the states like the new deal or the civil works administration you know again that came off the back of huge economic hardship in that country so even though this is obviously a grim time right now, you have to be hopeful that the same thing's going to come out of this, that, you know, there will be some kind of social reforms on whatever level. i am got to be honest, I'm not hopeful for climate because I think one of the things this has shown is the fact that, you know, our politicians were prevaric- prevaricating sorry when there was a deadly virus on the doorstep so I don't know how, fa- how far down the line climate change is going to have to get before they actually agreed to do something but you do have to hope that something socially positive will come out of this really which is my hope off the back of all this anything else you want to share right now with others project poem song book action words well I already mentioned the podcast stuff that I'm doing which has been great I'm doing some live podcast stuff on my Instagram channel at We Look Sideways every Friday with Patagonia, which I've been very much enjoying. Um, I I liked a couple of quotes, actually, that I saw recently. There's one by Isaac Asimov. She's probably a bit punchy and anti-American, but it's on the money. The quote is, there is a cult of ignorance in the United States, and there always has been. The strain of anti-intellectualism has been a constant thread Winding its way through our political and cultural life is the good bit. Nurtured by the false notion that democracy means that my ignorance is just as good as your knowledge. Now, do not that just sum up the last 20 years of the public um, consensus slash narrative? And then I saw something on Twitter the other day, which was, I'll, I'll paraphrase, but he said, if it's taken this crisis to realize that the system is flaw, flawed, sorry, then you are privileged, which is also... Something that struck home. So those two quotes gave me a bit of food for thought. Um, What else? I've been enjoying the uh, podcast 13 Minutes to the Moon, which is on BBC Sounds app, which is a really, really brilliantly produced, essentially radio serial. First part is about Apollo 11 and the second part is about Apollo 13. Great yarn, very well produced, very well told. I also really enjoyed um a book that i was reading recently which is called to calais in ordinary time and it's a historical novel which i very much enjoyed so um it's about the (laughs) randomly enough it's about the plague it's about the plague taking out um like sweeping across europe and how a group of pilgrims cope with it which i coincidentally started reading about three days before this all kicked off so it was uh Kind of weirdly prescient and also a bit disturbing, but just a bloody good book, really. So, yeah, to Calais in Ordinary Time, if you fancy something to read. All right, nice one. See you later.
0: So, there you go. That's, um, I think I'm going to call that an episode. That was episode one, Reflections from the Great Pause. This is going to be a small um, experimental series um, inspired by Charlie Gladstone's. Brilliant idea, um, which you can check out on the Mavericks podcast. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Uh must go and uh, cook dinner for my young Padawans. Um, so another one coming probably in the next day or so, if I can get it all together. I'm going to play out with a song which um, George McCallum also sent me with his... Answers, which is uh, a song recorded by his girlfriend Jess, um, which apparently she wrote two weeks ago in the lockdown, um, and it's called Don't Wake Up Baby. So until next time, take good care out there. Peace and out.
4: Somebody love. Sun